I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petum here as always. And we're chatting on this bright Saturday afternoon here in Canada. I guess it would be uh, nighttime in the UK for Sir Danny Raza. He has decided to join us after another Villa win because he only joins us when Villa win. I'm only joking, Danny. I know we mentioned this before on our little chat, but nonetheless, I just wanted to throw you under the bus. But anyways... We're here to chat, of course, about Aston Villa Football Club beating Burnley three goals to one at Turf Moor, keeping Burnley in some peril and giving a little bit more satisfaction and comfort to all villains on 43 points, zero goal differential in 11th place. Still possibility of finishing probably up until ninth place, you would say. So you know what? It's not all too bad. But anyways, let's get over to Danny first. Danny, how's it going? Hey man, I'm good. I'm good. Um, I promise I haven't joined purely uh, because Villa have won because I was scheduled in for an appearance uh, prior to the game. But I'm good. Uh, I've I know uh, it has been a few weeks since I've kind of gone right. Villa seasons over or whatever. I and mean, it was a couple of weeks ago that I was slightly worried about relegation again. But all all of that fear is kind of washed away now, and I'm yeah just enjoying watching the the slight little. Imp- experiments that, that Steven Gerrard's starting to starting to, to to put his um yeah put out in the team. But other than that, Cole, I'm good, man. I'm glad to hear. And of course we'll get on to those set experiments here in a moment, of course. And I know a lot of Villa fans were kind of moaning and groaning and wondering when we'd see these kind of chop and change little tactical tweaks. But of course now with uh, secure safety i guess you could say i don't even know if that's proper english but anyways security security there we go security in the premier league now um secure i don't know what i'm saying i'm just talking out of my ass but anyways um you know what steven gerrard can tinker with a few things but of course today we had goals from danny ings in the seventh minute assisted by emmy buendia wonderful through ball there emmy buendia then getting on the score sheet in the 31st minute assisted by a lovely low Dinier cross pass, whatever I guess you can classify that is. And of course, that man, Ollie Watkins, scoring in the 52nd minute, assisted by a wonderfully taken cross from Super John McGinn, who's finally getting into a bit of form. And you can always tell when John McGinn's in form because he does appear right on the ball and it comes off well. So that's when you know he's full of confidence. And of course, Maxwell, Maxwell Cornier scoring in extra time, 90 plus one. I don't know where the defense wasn't to be fair to that, but anyways, it's, it's a three, one win happy days annoy that there's no clean sheet, but we move on from here with a little bit more confidence. So Danny, let's, let's get into the tactical tweaks and we'll start from there. Of course, 
So, of course, we had two up top where Buendia starts instead of Felipe Coutinho, which I figured probably just from a, a physicality standpoint with how Burnley liked to play. Of course, Callum Chambers was the new defensive midfielder today. Of course, people are hearing this on the Monday. So if you're wondering why I'm saying today, just let me let, letting you all know we recorded this on Saturday. But anyway, some some nice changes there. Konza comes in at center back again. So like we said, some tactical tweaks, but how did you find the lineup in particular? Yeah, so obviously the the the, the, the big thing is, the, the first thing that you notice is that um, Philippe Coutinho's not in the lineup, so Emi Wendy's out there, obviously, and Gerard, who's who seems to enjoy playing with both Ings and Watkins up front when both are fully fit, um, going with that now, um, as opposed to the sort of one striker and two inside forwards formation. So you've kind of got Emi Buendia playing just behind them, uh, allowing him to play inside the Coutinho role. Where Coutinho has not been in, in terrific form in the last few weeks, he's not he's not necessarily been Villa's best player. He, I, I don't, I wouldn't say, you know, it's a, it's one of those where it's a big move to drop him. But I think Emi Buendia has been looking really good coming off the bench in the last few games and uh, you, you know you've got to be fair as a manager you've got to if, if you if you can't bring him on there then when are you going to bring him on and, and the thing is Villa paid a lot of money for him he's expected to be a star player for Villa and uh, yeah if, if Coutinho is not not out there delivering the performances he does deserve a chance uh, point there so it's good to see him kind of get into the team and, and, and obviously we'll, we'll go on to it later but he very much sort of um, proved a lot of Villa fans right that he should have started. Uh, and just to make it clear, it's this wasn't a Felipe Coutinho needs to be out of the team thing. It was an Emi Buendia needs to get a start thing. Then the other one is obviously Callum Chambers playing at defensive midfield. Uh, Jacob Ramsey, not around, has a little bit of a niggle. So Douglas Louise goes into that eight role, the position where I believe he wants to be playing in. And yeah, I think Callum Chambers... Um, playing a central defensive midfield, I'm not. I'm not too sure how it went, but I think the midfield was just quiet in general. I don't think they necessarily seem to have to do a lot of work necessarily, so it's hard to really judge because you know Villa's Villa just played well in general. But uh, I can't say I saw much of Callum Chambers on the ball. But yeah, I guess uh, I guess if he's if he's if he's coming in there with the interceptions and making it a little bit harder for Burnley to to have any sort of grip on that midfield, then then fair play. Um, him coming in as opposed to, well, we've got three other defensive midfield options in Douglas Louise, Nakamba, and Eric Boonham. Yeah, that's very true. It's nice to kind of add to the conundrum and maybe silence some of the, the critics per se, I guess. I, I know it's still a talking point, which we don't really need to get into today. And we know Villa are most definitely going to invest in this summer for, with a, uh, a hopefully a proven defensive midfielder. We'll have to wait and see who that is. And I know there's been a lot of talk about uh, Big Tim, I'm going to call him because I always butcher his last name, um, being potentially... Irabunum, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I I always say Dean or Dinye. I find every week I rotate, but anyways, I guess it's personal preference. But um, yes, with with Big Tim, I'm going to keep it that way. Um, mm-hmm. Being the number two choice potentially uh, for next season, if not, he'll probably go out on loan to I would imagine a championship club. So there is some kind of flexibility in there. And thank you for mentioning Dougie Louise as well. I completely even forgot he played today when I was looking at it. I, I feel like him and Matty Cash were the two players that I usually kind of look at and see how they're playing to kind of dictate or to see how Villa are kind of dictating play. 
And I didn't mm. really notice them too much today in particular, which is probably a good thing. Like you said there, it's nice to kind of go into a game, watch a game, enjoy it and not have to really worry about the midfield being an issue. And of course you can kind of put that down to maybe Burnley lacking quality, not having an, enough attacking intent in the middle areas, but you know what, at the end of the day, it was, it was a solid performance and we can all really be happy with that. But uh, Danny, I guess to spin another way, let's go to the the combination of Ings and Ollie Watkins as well. I mean, Ings scoring, Watkins scoring. Um, again, one thing that we beat to death earlier on that is that they should never play together. Uh, probably pre-Christmas, we've said that about a million times. And you know what? It seems like it's been a kind of a, a, a slow mending of a of a relationship um, to kind of unify each other and really get chemistry going, but it's finally coming off, isn't it? I think the thing is under Dean Smith, I can't remember, I can't remember too well, but um, it's it was very very different in terms of a front two of of those guys. So it would literally be those two up front, wouldn't it? And then you've kind of got a couple of wide players. Whereas this time round. Under um, under Gerard, it's very much the case they've got another player off their shoulder, which kind of gives them a little bit of freedom to to run the line a little bit. And I think that's what you saw them do really well today. Um, Watkins, in particular, we know what he does. You know, he can stretch the defense. He can run. Um, he can run down the line and give himself, you know, create um, create himself opportunities or, or or make it a little bit easier for somebody else to get on the ball. Um, his holder play, obviously, we do say it needs a little bit of work, but in general, it's pretty decent um, in, in that, uh, you know, if, if he can get the ball high up the pitch, you can usually find another option who is in space, like a Dean on the left-hand side or like a Cash on the right-hand side, uh, just in general, dictating play up, um, up top. He's been pretty poor with his finishing this season. We all know that. We know he can do a lot better, but last last couple of games, he's, he's managed to grab goals and Maybe it's just a case of a, of the confidence coming back into a, a very talented forward. Um, yeah, thought he had a terrific game in that sense. Uh, Danny Ings, on the other hand, you know, may create a chance for him and he'll score right if he if he if he if he has a little bit of space. Again, he's been low on confidence, but look, this is this is it now. When they're not scoring goals, they're they're not scoring them at all. And and when they are scoring, uh, it seems like they're nailed on for the finishes. And yeah, he scored today, Danny Ings, and and didn't even celebrate. Um, obviously because he's a former Burnley player, but I think really what it was, was having Buendia behind them, being able to watch their movement, having Luca Dean on the left-hand side, always also being able to drill it into, you know, a slightly more populated box than, than you'd have expected under, you know, under Smith in, in his, um, in his day or, or, or even under Gerard with one player up front. Um, it just made the attack seem a little bit more dangerous. And, and, and every time that ball was drilled in from the left-hand side, uh yeah it looked like it looked like there was going to be there was going to be danger for Burnley but uh I think it does work for for Gerard now Ings and Watkins and I think it really has dispelled uh, the myth whether either of them are good enough to fire Villa on next season to push for Europe that's another question but we won't get into that at the moment yeah, at the moment it's a good it's a good partnership for Villa. I do think it need they maybe need one more guy to kind of give them another option there. Yeah, and we'll we'll have loads of stuff coming up in the summer with transfer speculation and kind of looking at the squad as it develops throughout that time period, of course. And we can all think that maybe third option would be 
Cameron Archer at this point and all that kind of stuff or maybe another addition, but you never know. We'll have to wait and see. I think the frustrating thing, I mean, I can see it from kind of uh, the negative perspective is they're scoring these goals now rather than probably throughout different periods of the season where I guess you could argue that it mattered most, but the way I really look at it is there's still what four games to play. If they can score a few more goals, it really doesn't matter at the end of the day. If we finish 10th, we finish 10th. It's not a bad season. I'll be happy with that. Anywhere between 9th and probably 11th at this point, I'd be pretty happy with. And I guess with Watkins in particular, I think there was a stat going around that uh, AVFC Stato put out on Twitter um, saying that Ollie Watkins is the first English player to score 10 plus goals in consecutive Premier League seasons for Aston Villa since Gabby Bon Lahore, um, which was three seasons between the 2007 08 and 2009 10 season. So, those three seasons. Um, it's definitely been a little while. In a very polite way, it also shows how crap Villa have been for a, a, a long time. Uh, <laughs> so, I, I guess there is that. And then I also saw a, a neat little stat that I can't remember. Um, someone put out and fair enough to you if it was you so um, put your hand up and say that you should deserve credit but it was something with Danny Ings he's had I think seven um, goals and assists combined over his last seven Villa games so no, you know no, what? I, I heard that stat on the um, during the match it wasn't me but yeah it was Okay, so someone said on TV, so there we go. Credit yeah. to them. I just saw it on Twitter, so I saw, thought it was someone being a little, um, I guess, statistical um, genius boy or whatever, genius girl. I can't remember who was deciding to tweet it, but anyways, we'll just give it to the TV commentators because they probably had it written down since like last Tuesday. But anyways, um, yeah, it, it is one of those you do sit back and you look at it and think, like I said before, you want those contributions earlier, but I'm just happy they're coming and it's not something that we've had to sit through a whole season and think, oh, these two are never going to work. If anything, it probably creates more headaches for Gerard um, going into the summer and it's going to be massively interesting for that. But Danny, let's go on to, I want to go on to John McGinn here for just a quick moment and then we can move on from it because I know every time me and Tom are on, we've basically been saying that, ever since well basically every time we have an international break it probably takes John McGinn at least two or three games to kind of even get back to some kind of decent form Mm. now it seems like he's getting almost into prime McGinn to form again we've seen the little purettes as I referenced earlier and now we only have four games left so what did you make of his performance in particular today and I guess really what do you expect from him for the rest of the season right so I think with Villa there's definitely an issue with intensity and, and and being able to match teams' energy. I don't think Burnley came out with a lot of energy today. And no. because of that, I don't think there was too much pressure on Villa's midfield of the ball. We see Villa like to pass it around the back quite a lot. Um, recently, mm, Tyrone Mings at the back has been doing the opposite stuff. But I mean, in terms of, you know, McGinn and Louise and Ramsey, it never really feels like they're, they're, they're totally comfortable or totally in control, like together as a unit. Mm-hmm. You know, when it, when it, when it, when it comes to when it comes to these teams. And so when McGinn tends to get possession, a lot of the time it, it feels like he's got about a split second to get rid of the ball or a split second to decide what he's going to do with it. And and often that can lead to errors, that can lead to mistakes. Today against Burnley, I think it was a it was a case of like, okay, they're whole they're they're backing off. They've got two people in midfield today, Burnley, I think. I think it was they were playing with a yeah, with like Cork and Brownhill. Yep. You know, not particularly gonna get get in your face necessarily um, until you kind of get into their area. 
So I think for McGinn, you know, he was he was able to get a bit of freedom down that left-hand side as well in particular. And because of that, he, he was able to kind of do what he needs to do. Whether he can do it consistently with a, with a better defensive midfielder behind him, I don't know. I think that's the, that's the question, really. Like, there's definitely a lot of potential. There's definitely something there to, to unlock. But, yeah, it's, that, it's, the, it's the fast-paced games where he struggles. It's the fast-paced games where he struggles. And um, I think he just really enjoyed being the general in that midfield today. So, uh, fair play to him. I think he's a real asset to the club. Um, I can't see him leaving in the summer, but if Villa got like a 50, 60 million pound bid, I don't know from like a Man United or something, I don't know. Um, he's probably one of those players who, as soon as he's out the team, you kind of think, how do I replace him? Like, despite despite the flaws. Uh, yes. there's, 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 there's a real maverick of a player in there, like a real luxury player in there, but you know, you don't get anybody that works harder than him. Do, do you find... That I guess today would be a good example of when you have Chambers acting as a DM, Dougie pushed up a little bit further, but he also has that kind of defensive side to his game that he's had to really kind of adapt to since he's come to Villa, having played that defensive midfield role probably more times than he's ever wished for. Do you feel like that kind of frees McGinn up a little bit more? Because, I mean, it's not like he was having a, a gazillion shots today and having the best kind of scoring opportunities, but you do see that mm. little bit more freedom in his game, don't you? Yeah, I don't think like Ramsey's bad defensively. I think Ramsey's Ramsey you can you know you, know, you can you can break up play, you can you can go box to box and that kind of thing. But the thing with the thing with Dougie there was I think there were there were a couple of times where he did actually help out Callum Chambers with breaking up, um, you know, breaking up and sweeping balls which 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 had been missed and 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 he and he, and he, and he was you know fair, fairly combative. Um, which yeah, I'm sure I'm sure gave McGinn a bit more freedom. But I think the other thing with McGinn was that the fact that Villa were able to counter so well and were able to kind of pull that ball on the left hand side so well that was really interesting. We saw that cross from him today. McGinn doesn't play on that left hand side very often, but he looked quite comfortable there. I don't think he's. I don't think he'd be comfortable there if we were on the back foot. No, I don't think he'd be able to break up, you know, get those tackles and get those interceptions and break up in the field if we if we didn't have that much possession. But because Villa did have so much possession, he was able to kind of go right. I'm picking this up. I'm going to drive forward with it. I'm going to do what I want to do with it. Um, and and yeah, that having having Dougie and having Chambers back there was great. Look, that Burnley team was never really going to drive forward today. That that you know that they, they 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 can be a good side, but they need they they really need you know. They need the ball high up the pitch, and they need, you know, they need the set pieces. They need to, they need to not concede early. As soon as that happened, it was going to be, a, it was going to be a struggle for them. Uh, but I just, yeah, Brownhill and Cork, I wouldn't say, are like the best midfield in the Premier League. Like, yeah, I, I, th- I think, I think, I think Villa, Villa did the right thing, sticking out Chambers and and, and Louise there. I mean, it's it's a solid midfield, Chambers, Louise, and again, it's 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 tough if anything. Yeah. What did you make of Ezri Kanza today? I know, like, I feel like there's been a lot of discussion around him lately, probably unjustifiably in some ways, but with whether it should be him or mm-hmm. Chambers. And I mean, Christ, there wasn't a long, very long time ago that we were saying he should be in the England squad. And I mean, he comes back in today and I mean, he had a few really good moments and then he had some really, I wouldn't say really bad ones, but uncomfortable he moments. He did. He did have some comfortable yeah. ones. Yeah. yeah. It's just. Um, uh, he needs a break. He needs preseason. Is what he needs. I think. I think I, he's he's played a lot of a lot of competitive football at a high level with with Villa for the last few years. I don't think he's ever really 
you know, um, and I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying that like, look, these these players have, have have been on the back foot and 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 played with like pressure on them for for years, and I don't know if that if that ends up, you know, resulting in eventually you will go on a bad run, like it does happen. Um, he looks very very angry at the moment, Con. So that's one thing I've noticed. Yeah, but like I'm not, sh- I'm not sure he's totally calm. <laughs> like every time the camera pans to him, he seems to be screaming. He seems to be angry. So I just want. <laughs> I just wonder whether whether he's on edge slightly because of the mistakes he's been making. I think there's a quality defender in there. There's a defender in there that you know that we call to get picked for England. And look, this is why you're supposed to have options because players do go out of form. It does happen. I wouldn't sell Konza. No, uh, that would be ridiculous. We've got Callum Chambers there, so you've got somebody who's interchangeable. Fine, that's brilliant, right? You know, maybe maybe Villa need that for Tyrone Mings as well for when he's out of form. You know, look, we were, we people were, were were having a go at Tyrone Mings, you know, a few weeks ago. He'd, he'd, he'd been making quite a few errors. He had a bad run this season. Now he's looking solid. You know, now he's changed parts of his game. But it's 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 going to happen. The, the, the way that Gerard sets this team up puts the centre-backs in an uncomfortable position. It, it really does. Cash and Dean swinging forward, uh, pushing forward, leaving the, you know, forcing the defenders to step out a little bit. It's hard. Uh, and I'd say generally they've been successful with it. Uh, you know, no one's really crumbled too badly, like the, despite the bad run. Like there are games where it works. It's whether they can do that now against sort of like the cities and the Liverpools. I'm not sure. But I, we, we, Cons is not in, his, not in his best form at the moment. Um, but I, I, think he'll, I think he'll come out at the end, uh, come out the other end okay. But. Uh, this is why I guess you want to have a good defensive midfielder so it takes the pressure off, pressure off the defence. Chambers being in that um, centre back, central defensive midfield role today meant that Konza and Mings didn't necessarily have to step out too much, and I think that's what, you know, helped the almost clean sheet happen. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, if you if you kind of paid a little bit more attention to, he sat back as in Chambers a little bit more deeper than a normal DM would, and it. I mean, I, I saw a few complaints about it, but at the end of the day, he is a, a, a center half playing defensive mid primarily. Um, I know it was tested, I think, in the behind uh, doors game against Brentford earlier in the season where I think Villa won and he was the DM there. Um, but aside from that, it probably hasn't really been tested too much in game um, aside from probably on the training pitch. But I mean, let's talk about this young fellow, uh, Carney Chukameka. Um, He's alive still. <laughs> Um, I, I guess the controversy continues, uh, comes on or places Callum Chambers, um, which I would assume, would, um, basically from what I saw, meant Dougie Louise went back into the DM role and it swapped it up a little bit. He looked pretty decent on the ball, had some attacking intent on there. Um, nothing really crazy or stand out to really applaud for, but Danny, what do you think this means? Like, do you think uh, now that he's featuring and maybe is this the, is this Steven Gerrard saying like, you know what, I'll, I'll play you for a little bit for the rest of the season to see what you really have? Or could this be, you know what, maybe contract talks are kind of going on yeah, again? Yeah, look, you know, if, if, if it was the case that it was absolutely completely off and there was no way of changing his mind or, or whatever, then then I'd just, I'd be annoyed at him playing. Like, don't play yeah. him. You know, it's a waste of it, investment. Yeah. 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 We've got no, we'd have no reason to play him. It would be blocking, blocking the path for another player. But 
Um, look, there's, there's there's different things that could be happening here. The first the first thing that could be happening is that Carney Triplemaker is signing a contract at the end of the season, and uh, you know Villa are going to reward him with a few minutes. You know, let him let him see what he can do. You know, the other thing is that um, you know Villa might just need his quality on the pitch. Maybe that maybe they thought you know we need Carney Carney Triplemaker up, but well they're three nil up, so. You know, it's probably that's not necessarily the case. Uh, the third, the third thing is that perhaps he is up in the summer, and uh, for that reason, obviously his contract's up next season. For that reason, they they're, they're putting him out there, giving him a few minutes. If he grabs a goal, if he grabs an assist, that puts his price up. Um, Villa can get a better sort of percentage in terms of like future sales or or whatever. They might be able to to start a bidding war. Right, Carney Chocolate goes out there, scores two goals in the Premier League at his age, becomes Villa's second second youngest top scorer, uh, second youngest scorer after help me out here, um, Gareth Barry, I think. I believe been so. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then been great. But the other thing that could be happening over here is that there's a negotiation happening where it's that Carney Chocolate saying, "No, I, I don't want your contract," but Villa is saying, "Well, we'll offer you a contract, right?" It might be the case that that, that Carney Chocomaker wants more money. It might be that he, he won't accept the contract on its current terms. But if Villa were to offer him, I don't know, four years and 70, 80 grand a week, he might change his tune and turn around and go, look, I'll do it. So, you know, there, there might be a little bit of like risk and reward going on over here. Uh, personally, True. Personally, I don't like the idea of a player that young you know, being so non-committal to a contract with a year left on it. A lot of players have started doing this now. Players have realised that they do have some sort of power here where they can run the contract down and it moves easier. Because in his head, in his head, um, there could be a better pathway for him. There could be constant Bundesliga football. You could be playing for Dortmund. Um, yeah. Or, you know, someone like Dortmund. And he could, you know, he could, you know, look at the young players that do well over there, right? He might say, like, I'm, I'm going to be like, uh, I'm going to be like, I'm not going to say the next Pulisic or like, you know, the next like Alfonso Davis. Yeah. You know, Joe Rayner, the next the next Haaland or whatever coming in there. And, you know, um, maybe that's where, maybe that's what he's looking at. Um, what do you think? It, it's weird. Like, I mean, for probably, you know what, they're, they're probably what probably happened i wouldn't be shocked and we kind of overthink this and fans start wondering why keep in mind jacob ramsey's out morgan sanson's out you probably need another central midfielder in there just to freshen things up well who's up next really so like i, I guess it's not really surprising i guess you could have really. stuck you could have stuck big tim on there i guess so yeah the sanson's there bro to try on the bench court yeah. has not come on by this point but it could also be one of those things too. I mean, you hear so much in the media, like, but realistically, there could be absolutely nothing, and he's just wanting to actually wait till the summer to kind of sort it out. And you know what? People make speculation, and we just chat about it. It's it's one of those things. I mean, it it, it still boggles my mind at what eighteen years old we're having or are having this discussion about an eighteen year old is basically what I'm trying to say. Um, I mean, you get people that think he's going to be the next Bellingham or whatever, and we're going to miss out and yada, yada, yada. But he could also end up being the night, the next like Simon Dawkins or, 
whoever else that just doesn't make the cut and is no. playing League One football in three years. So the talent's never know. clear. The talent, the talent's clear. It just, I know, it hasn't necessarily translated into a moment on the pitch. But the thing is, you can see it. You can see when he's on the pitch that there's that there's a player there. And if he gets consistent football, if he gets to play every single game in the Bundesliga, for example, it'd be fine. Um, but you know, he might end up like Caleb. You know? Yeah. Who's not getting a game in Scotland? Yeah, where's he, Livingston? Yeah, but the manager didn't like him. Oh. Not, not playing him, which is a shame, really, because I, I like I I have a real thing with with teams loaning players in and then just not giving them any time. Like I just think it's disgraceful. Like at the end of the day, it's a young player. You know, you you you're bringing them in for development. It's not really fair. No, um, to be ruining a kid's career, but. Well, look at Louis Berry uh, anyway. with Ipswich. Like they brought in like twenty players over the off se- last off season, and then within what a few months he's back at Villa um, before he goes out to uh, to Swindon. So where yeah. he's playing well, yeah, very well. And they're in the playoffs now. So and Ipswich could have done with him. Could have done with it. You know, yeah, so. and they just barely missed out on the playoffs themselves. So it it, it is a is what it is thing. But of course, uh, uh, Kessler. Um, is playing with MK Dons in the playoffs right now. I think they're 2-0 down to Wickham in, after the first game. So there's Villa representatives throughout the Football League nonetheless, which is good to see, to be honest. It's not just castaways we know that are never going to make it. These are some of the players that we uh, have a lot of hope for. So that's mm-hmm. something to be positive about. But anyways, Danny, before we uh, get over to the three-word reviews, let's do the man of the matches first. I'll do them in reverse order. So who would your man of the match be for today, Saturday? Buendia. Absolutely, Emily Buendia. I think he dictated the game for it already. Um, he he was that central pin, wasn't he? He was that playmaker. He was he was the guy that, that got the ball. And then, you know, you look, that's, that's, that's you know, who's looking around for what to do next. Where's Villa's attack going to come from? You know, he was finding Dean. You know, he found he found Danny Ings with that pass, got himself a goal as well. You know, got himself into a, into a good area, and yeah, just in general, he looked like the man today. Like he stepped in, and we weren't missing Coutinho. You know, I think that's that's the thing. You know, that's got it to a point where everybody's forgotten about Coutinho. So I think I think I think Buendia did um, fantastically as well. The only creative player on the pitch score with with, with Bailey injured again. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, it was. I think I think it's Emmy Buendia. Yeah, I feel like we're going to have a whole episode just about Leon Bailey here in the summer at some point because I feel like it's been brewing all season. But anyways, I have to go with Emmy Bundu as well. I gave him my man of the match on the 7,500 whole play rating. So cheeky plug, go check that out on the website if you would like. I mean, he ran the show in the midfield. He was he had literally purpose on his face from kickoff, essentially, uh, through balls, whether it be quick little one-two passes, um, just kind of even the the few times that Villa are really under pressure from a kind of defensive standpoint, um, he was back there relieving some of that, and with the quick little one-twos, kind of releasing Villa on the counter plenty of times. So just it's good to see. Yeah, we probably could have scored a few more goals, you would say, but at the end of the day, he got a goal. He got a Oh, he'd probably say a rather lucky goal with the deflection. Um, got a wonderful assist, and he probably could have added to that. But the, the one thing that I'm most pleased about is, is you could bring off or sit Coutinho um, for a majority of the game, knowing that away from home with a Villa shirt on, he hasn't been very good at all. Bring Wendy on. He's hungry. He produces. And you know what? I guess it kind of creates that conundrum going into the summer if, 
they do sign if Villa do sign Coutinho. Um, I don't know. Maybe we're looking at uh, Coutinho being the attacking mid for home games versus Buendia for the away games. I mean, we're starting to figure things out here a little late in the season, but nonetheless, it's happening <laughs> regardless. Um, but anyways, yeah, I, I think it's, it has to be all around to give Emmy Buendia the man the match, and I'm sure many people would agree. But anyways, let's get over to the three-word reviews over on Twitter. I think there was just over 30 of them this time, and I got them out a little late. So apologies to, the, uh, to those that probably usually got involved because there'd probably be a heck of a lot more. But anyways, uh, take it out on my tardiness. So let's read out a few here. Uh, Dave DeGurnier, a regular um, that gets involved with these, saying Gerard's got this. Uh, Townsend, payback for Wes, of course. We all know what happened to Big Wesley if, uh, a couple or a few seasons ago now. Um, our very own Wait, Simon O'Regan. Um, it says uh, payback for Wes. Oh, okay. Yeah, when Wesley got hurt. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, our very own Simon O'Regan says uh, he's football heaven, referencing Ebby Buendia. Um, GJHUTV says justice for Wesley um, uh, from Witten to Rotterdam. No, another did, Guys, can I just say, right? <laughs> People Wesley, aren't Wesley, over this. Wesley didn't get, like, yeah, he didn't, like, Wesley's alive and well. Like, <laughs> Oh, bad tackles happen in the Premier League. Come on, uh, well, come on, that was pretty bad. But anyways, it was bad. It was yeah. Bad. Um, from Witten to Rotterdam, another podcast, um, Villa podcast, I should say, saying spoiled uh, by let off. Of course, the last minute goal uh, from Burnley mm. that ruined the clean sheet, which was a little bit of a downer. But anyways, um, Ernie Barnhurst, the beautiful game, and we'll do three more here. Um, Nigel WV Buendia does business. Um, Winky AVFC, <laughs> what a name. Um, where's the spreadsheet? And we'll finish with Simon Palmer saying Watkins, Watkins, Ings, and Wendy. I'm not sure why I struggled with that, but anyways, Danny, I'm going to put you under pressure through yeah. review, please. Okay. Um, <laughs> the, the, it's only one word, but anyways, <laughs> Martinez, time wasting masterclass. I'm gonna, yeah, that's good. Is that okay? Time yeah, that's thing that, is, a, is a double bow. Is that that's fine? okay. I, I'll let that. I'll slide. As the editor, I can let that slide. So, so do you know that Villa are actually the the team that has had the ball in play like less than any other side this season? No. Like on average. That's a little depressing, to be honest. It is, but it's also a little bit funny because, like, it expl- like explains so much, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, like it's so like you. If if I said that to you, you'd think, oh yeah, of course. That man, Emmy Emmy Martinez. Everything, every time he got the ball today, since Villa got in, got ahead, like he was just he was holding on to it for, for dear life. That guy, and it's I, like it's like every single game, it's becoming every single game now where Villa are either in the lead or 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 like you know drawing, that the referee has to come over and have a word with him or have a word with Tyrone Mings to tell Emmy Martinez to stop time wasting. True, uh, and yeah, I just thought that was. I just thought it was hilarious. Like it was 20, 30 minutes into the game and he's, and he's already doing it. And I don't know whether to laugh or cry. But yeah, um, prior to this game, prior to this game, because I saw this on an article that BBC did about basically introducing a 60-minute football match yeah, with a, with a shot clock instead of playing 90 minutes and having stoppage time. And, and yeah, Villa's average was like 52 minutes and 23 seconds. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh. So... 
there's your uh, there's your BBC input from from that one, anyways. But uh, no, it is it is funny when you look at Emmy Buendia or not Emmy Buendia, Emmy Martinez though. And I, I did see some Burnley um, accounts that we've uh, dealt with in the past, and they've been wonderful to us. First and foremost, I must say that I'm kind of moaning and groaning about how long Emmy Martinez was taking on these free kicks and collecting the ball and stuff. But you know, the amount of times that other teams have done it to us and we complain about it. You know what? It was nice to actually do a little bit of shit houseery, be winning three nil at that point, and just kind of enjoying it. And you can see all the Villa fans when the cameras had panned to them in the away end, just kind of laughing and enjoying it. So that was funny. The other thing I found funny um, before I give my three word review was the camera. I don't know if it did the same thing for um, for your match coverage, Danny, um, but right behind Turf Moor there was a cricket game going on. And it, yeah. pan, it, it panned to it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's not something you would regularly see at most grounds. <laughs> actually, um, you know, poss- quite possibly possibly England's greatest fast bowler of all time, James Anderson, was mm-hmm. at the match watching it today. So, uh, yeah, that's it was it was quite it was quite funny. It was quite it's quite apt that there was a cricket match going on. Before yeah. That. I, I just like the idea of the ball somehow finding its way on the pitch. I don't know why it would, but you never know. What are these days? Well, I can't remember which Villa player. Let me, like, I'll double check, right? Okay. But there was a Villa player in the 50s the, or the 40s, I can't remember, that actually um, was at a cricket match. And I want to say Pongo. I don't think it is. I want to say Pongo. Probably isn't, right? But was at a cricket match? And actually ran onto the pitch as a as a fielder because because the team were out of uh, yeah they were out of, they needed a substitute they needed someone to come on the pitch and field so um, he <laughs> so just went he hey so you're athletic <laughs> it would be interesting if, if Burnley had like if their entire team had like I don't know got an upset stomach at half time and you know needed to bring on a sub and James Anderson um, had to run off it would be well, interesting to see how he would do. Well, uh, Tarkovsky went off rather early, so maybe he was going outside to help it with that game. You never know, because he went out with his little track suit on and everything and looked rather okay. So you have to wait and see if that actually comes out. I'm sure it did. But anyways, <laughs> um, a long-winded conversation to get to my three-word view. All, all I'll say is Buendia from Argentina. Um, I, I feel like that's a fair one, obviously referencing the little song that we kind of changed from um, his days at Norwich City. But uh Anyways, Danny, I think that's enough for a 3-1 recap for the Villa. I mean, it was a 3-1 win, but you would have to say it definitely wasn't the most uh, thrilling 3-1 win we've ever seen where you could probably talk for two hours about it. But nonetheless, we're getting to the end of the season and it's just there's a few games left. So let's soak in the wins while we can before we get on to all the speculation and annoyance that we're linked with player A and we get player C or whatever, because I'm sure that'll happen at some point or if Coutinho doesn't sign and people are heartbroken and doom us for the next eternity. So we'll have to wait for those days to, to come. But anyways. I'll be okay if Coutinho doesn't sign, to be honest. Like, I, I like the guy, and I think Villa should try and sign him. We should absolutely bid him for him. But if he doesn't sign, it won't be the end of the world. No, it's it, it's really not the end of the world. If so, we, we, we've seen fantastic players in the Villa shirt before. It'll happen again, and we'll be heartbroken again, of course. We were only heartbroken last summer. So just to, to give Jack Rielsch a little plug, because he gets a plug every single goddamn week and probably will for eternity. 
But anyways, thank you very much, Danny, for joining me. Of course, if you want to find Danny on Twitter, it's at Razajourno. I haven't gave, given out Twitter shoutouts in eternity, but I'm just going to do it t- today because anyways, you can find me on Twitter at Talkcast and Villa. Tweet the team at 7500 to Holt. Email the podcast, Holtcast at gmail.com. And we will be back after the Liverpool game. Um, I don't think there'll be much. I don't know if there'll be a preview for that, if not. But anyways, we'll be back right after that to recap that and then look briefly ahead to Burnley again. Um, A lot of Burnley for the month of May. But anyways, we'll leave it there. And don't forget, up the villa. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.